T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, no one Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, moving into this 7 o'clock hour, a little hockey coming your way in a few minutes. We'll talk about what's going on with the Blue Note as they get ready for back-to-back games in uh, New York and New Jersey the next couple of days. Islanders and Devils, the opponents. We'll hear a little bit of what Craig Berube had to say earlier today and uh, touch on a few things. Things that, you know, We really haven't had a lot of time for shows this week. I was out early in the week, and uh, we had basketball on Wednesday and half a show yesterday. So just kind of getting back into the flow of feeling, you know, having time to get to some of the other stuff. So uh, we'll start with a little bit more baseball here, but I do want to get into the Blues and Maybe a little college hoops, and we'll see where things go after this. Um, but and I, I might have another big, kind of like bigger picture thought on the sports world later in the show. But it kind of depends on you know where my mind takes me between now and then. Uh, might go that direction, might go somewhere else. But I wanted to get into um, one other one other story today, and, and it's a good story, really well done. Uh, Jason Stark and uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece today for the athletic um, citing major league baseball executives who think that the rule five draft should be canceled. Now, if you, if you pay attention to baseball, you know what the rule five draft is. This is a draft where uh, minor leaguers with enough service time that are not on the 40 man roster can be plucked out of their own team's system and placed into a new team. Now it would be, but you have to be kept at the major league level. Right, but it costs to put the team a hundred thousand dollars. So a team can pay a hundred thousand dollar fee. They get to take a player. So an example from last year would be uh, Garrett Whitlock of the Red Sox. He was taken out of the Yankees system. Uh, Akil Badu of the Tigers was taken out of the Twin system. The team that that selects the player pays a hundred thousand dollars. And the only caveat from their end is they have to keep the player on the major league roster all season long. He can't be demoted that first year. Can be demoted in subsequent years, but not that first year. Well, major league executives are citing all of these reasons why they don't think they should do the Rule Five draft this year. Normally, it's done in December, which is a time where these guys are a little bit more of a mystery than what they are now. Some of them have gone off to winter ball, for example, and played really well. Some of them are in minor league camps right now, uh, maybe making you know good impressions, maybe not. You know who knows, but. The argument from the baseball executives here is that, hey, you know, a lot has changed here. And 
the teams selecting can have more information, which means it's more risky for teams to lose players. Now, to me, that's kind of a bogus argument because you also have the 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 upside of maybe selecting someone yourself that's pretty good based on new information. So I'm not sure I'm buying the argument put forth by baseball executives. Um, another argument against doing this Rule 5 draft would be that, you know, most teams right now are not allowing scouts to enter their minor league camp. Now, two teams are, but 28 to 30 teams are not allowing it because they don't want teams getting any new updated information in advance of the Rule 5 draft. All right, fine. Again, these are not invalid concerns. I think that they are, you know, again, this is from, from Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal, and I think these concerns as presented by management officials are concerns for the teams for sure. But here's the thing that, to me, needs to be at the forefront here. What about the players themselves? So these are players that are not on the 40-man roster of their current team, which means that they're not in a place where they're likely to get called up to the major leagues anytime soon. You know, if a team has a full 40-man roster, for example, they would have to let somebody else go to call this player up. So this is a player that's already facing difficult odds of reaching the major leagues with the team that he's currently with. As opposed to going to a team in the Rule 5 draft that has to keep him in the major leagues. So using Akil Badu last year, or using Garrett Whitlock last year, they made the major league minimum. They made $560,000 and they accrued a year of major league service time as opposed to getting paid $2,500 a month for five months. Now, I don't know about you guys, but $2,500 a month sounds like $12,500 for the whole year. So what, what, what kind of bugs me about this story, and it really has nothing to do uh, with Jason Stark and Ken Rosenthal. I mean, they wrote the story. This is what they're... This is information that they're getting from from team executives. But this, again, gets back to team executives just not giving a crap about young players. You really want to do away with one tool that probably only benefits a handful of players anyway, where these guys can actually get to the major leagues, get a year of service time guaranteed, and make real money as opposed to making nothing in the minor leagues. And we want to kill that because a team might lose a player that they didn't think was good enough to be on their 40-man roster back in December. And again, it's, it's, isn't this about the mindset? That is, that is, to me, one of the prevailing problems in Major League Baseball right now. One of the prevailing problems is, is mindset. It's... It's not just about money. It's that players are not treated as human beings. They're just assets. It's Again, it's, it's like the way that people in the financial world treat investments and treat the stock market. These guys are not companies. They're not startups. They're not stocks. They're humans. And yet the way that it's talked about, the way that they're treated, I mean, I just I looked at a, an article, you know, Looks like it's a couple thousand words 
talking about all the problems that it causes for teams, for players that they didn't think they needed to protect because they weren't as high on them as other players. But we're not talking about what it means to these individual players if you cancel the Rule 5 draft this year. Those players that would be picked lose out on a lot of money and lose out on a year of service time, assuming they're kept, and they can be offered back to their original team for $50,000. So the team will end up ultimately losing $50,000 in that thing, in that kind of a transaction. But for these teams, $50,000 is nothing. Like I said earlier, it's a rounding error. But it's this mentality that I think is one of the big problems in baseball. And by the way, it's this mentality that also bleeds over into how the game is played. Players are just tools. They're just a set of numbers, a set of tendencies. And it's not about entertaining your fans. It's not about letting talented players just go be talented players and do their thing. It's simply about the numbers. What do the numbers say? Well, again, professional sports, entertainment, human beings are more than numbers. But that was the disturbing thing to me is that in this entire story, I didn't see a single word from anybody that worked for Major League Baseball about what this would mean to those individual players. That those players that would be chosen... would not get chosen if you cancel the Rule 5 draft for these other reasons that they're talking about. And they would end up, again, making less than minimum wage, getting paid for just five months, and making, again, about twelve, thirteen thousand $13,000 for that time. As opposed to more than half. And, and by the way, with the new collective bargaining agreement, it'll be at least 650000 if not $700,000 for that rookie year. And yet here we have an entire article, thousands of words, and not one player, not one executive that was that was quoted, not one thought from any of the executives was about those human beings. It was all about how it hurts them. Well, you know, people now saw them have a good winter and, you know, you know, we didn't protect them back in December, and that's a long time. So what? You clearly didn't think that they were one of the 40 most important players in your organization. You can survive if your 41st best player is taken by someone else. And that's, by the way, just of the players eligible because not all minor leaguers are eligible. It's only the minor leaguers that have, that have been in the minor leagues for six years. So you got all that time to evaluate them. You got all that time. Actually, I think it's five years. But you have all that time to evaluate them. You have all that time to add them to your 40-man. And you didn't think that much of them. So if they get taken, what? what? So what? You've obviously decided you have other players, 40 of them specifically, that are more valuable to your franchise. And again, the consideration in these arguments isn't, well, you know, that's a pretty big break in a player's career. That's a pretty big difference in terms of what they can earn and major league service time and all that. Yeah, we'll go ahead with it anyway. Even if this year it causes a few extra minor problems for front offices. We'll suck it up because, look, these 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 guys really benefit from that. 
And I do think that 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 this overall mentality is a problem. That players are not treated like humans. And look, I'm going to tell you, another way that this is true is the way that pitchers are used, for example. And I say used with a direct purpose. Every team's a little different. And I think the way that the Cardinals use players and pitchers in particular is better than what most teams do. The Cardinals train starting pitchers to be starting pitchers. They don't train starting pitchers in the minor leagues to go out there and throw as hard as they can for three or four innings and then come out of the game. They train their young pitchers to be pitchers. They train them to be Jack Flaherty. They train them to be guys that can go out there and get you six or seven innings. And that's a good thing to me. But teams like the Rays, all they're going to do is be like, well, just hey, you know, you throw hard, go throw hard for three innings and we'll come get you. You have two good pitches. We're just going to use those. And you're going to throw them both at max effort for three innings, and then we're going to come get you. And then they're going to do the same thing with their relievers. They're going to say, hey, Mr. Reliever, you throw a great slider. So just go out there and throw 75% sliders. Don't worry about your command. Don't worry about refining your other pitches or anything like that so that you could occupy a greater role in Major League Baseball down the road. No, no, no. Just go out there and throw your slider because that's what works. Go out there and throw your high heater because that's what works. And they'll burn you out. And again, it's, you know, we look at it and we're when we praise the strategy because they get more out of less, right? And and I understand the Rays and, and some other teams have to get more out of less or they won't be successful. So again, I understand it. Not trying to paint them into being a villain of some kind, but put yourself into the shoes of those players whose careers are on the line. And if they develop into one-dimensional specialists, platoon players on offense, you know, specialist-type relievers that are going to go out there and go max effort all the time, they're going to get hurt. They're not going to have the well-rounded skill set to be more valuable, higher-end players with bigger ro- who can occupy bigger roles because they're never allowed to do it. They're never used in those scenarios. And I think, you know, efficiency is also boring, like from a fan's perspective. You know, when you look at a, at a matchup on a given day, the starting pitching matchup is a thing. It's something that people point to. When Adam Wainwright is starting, Cardinals fans are paying attention. Their antenna are up. That, that's the kind of picture you look at and go, hey, you know what? Waino's pitching on Tuesday. What do you think? Should we go see? Yeah, let's do that. Starting pitchers can be a draw. Not just just in attendance, but in attendance, but on TV too. And with them becoming less and less important because of efficiency, it's not a good thing. And and again, it's just this overall mentality of treating the sport like it's played on a spreadsheet as opposed to played in a major league stadium. All right, let's change gears. Time for some hockey talk. We haven't had a lot of it this week because well, I haven't been around a whole lot this week to be able to do it. Let's hear a little bit from Craig Ruby. Talk about the goalies. Talk about what we've been seeing and also what's coming up this weekend. Next up on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, back in on KMOX, Kevin Wheeler with you on Sports Open Line, moving our attention to the St. Louis Blues, coming off a 5-3 loss to the Rangers. But overall, uh, a team that's played really well of late. I mean, before the loss to the Rangers, uh, they had won six of their seven games before that. The one loss in Montreal was an overtime loss, so you got a point. Um, so basically, you've got a point now in your last in seven of your last eight games, and you've won six of those eight games. So they've been playing pretty well. Uh, and I, one thing I'm going to want to get into as we go is the goaltending situation too. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about it in recent weeks, of course, because while I wouldn't go anywhere near the, the idea that it's a controversy because we're just too far away from any full, like any real decision needing to be made, it's certainly been a conversation, not been a, not been a controversy, but a conversation about which guy is the guy to rely on down the stretch. Uh, Jordan Bennington's been better lately. And Ville Husso's had a couple of games here lately that were a little bit bumpier. You know, he he took the loss to the Rangers as an example. And, you know, taking the loss isn't always on the person. But, you know, if you look at, at Husso's last three starts, he got the win against Toronto, but they scored three goals. Um, got the win against Buffalo, but they scored three goals. And then took the loss to the Rangers and scored five. So they and they scored five. And I believe the one I'm having a brain cramp. I think the fifth one was an empty netter, so that really didn't count um, against uh, against uh, Ville Husso. But it, it's a it's a situation where yeah, he only allowed yeah that one. I, my memory's right. <laughs> I don't know why you ever. First of all, a quick sidetrack. There's nothing more frustrating than the brain cramp. Like, it's the most irritating thing in the world. Just be like, I know I saw that happen. And actually, I didn't see that happen in real time. I had to go back and watch it um, after the fact because I was out of town. But um, the way that, that that's going is not necessarily a major concern, but it certainly is something. I mean, you know, Ville Husso has allowed 10 goals in his last three starts. Not ridiculous, but it's not good. You know, I mean, like, you know, a good goals against is lower than three. Now, that's where Bennington is right now, 3.1, but he's been kind of going in the other direction here lately. Now, you know, he had the bad day against New Jersey back on February 10th, but that's almost a month ago now. But in his two most recent starts, he gave up one goal against Philadelphia and then had the shutout against Chicago. And maybe this is the, uh, hopefully it is the start of, of Bennington starting to turn it in the right direction. And, you know, obviously they'll split the, the games this weekend, I would think. Um, and then you have two months, really. I mean, you've got all of March, all of April to sort this out. 
which guy is going to be your guy once you get to the playoffs. And, you know, maybe it'll be, you know, maybe maybe the case is going to be that Huso's the guy that's, that's you know, the, the horse you're going to ride and you let it, you let him just keep on rolling. But yeah, it's it's been a little tougher for him of late than it was before. He's allowed at least three goals in in each of his last four starts. So, you know that that's definitely a thing to keep an eye on. Not really, it's not always the goalie's fault, which is an important point to make. I mean, not all goals are created equally, but it's yeah, it gives us a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a little bit of something to look at. Right, and for Bennington again, been a little bit better the last couple of games, but but also you know gave up five goals to New Jersey uh, the game before that, and he gave up seven goals against Calgary the game before that. So we're really only looking at a two goals two game sample size for Bennington, where you know he allowed one goal in the two games against Philly and Chicago. So I'm not ready to say that Bennington's back, but at least it's an interesting conversation. All right, let's move along here. I want to hear a little bit from Craig Berube. He talked about some of the current events uh, for the Blues coming out of the loss to the Rangers, getting ready for the games tomorrow and Sunday against the Islanders and the Devils, respectively. And this is Craig Berube from this morning after the morning skate. Day off yesterday, good practice day. Looks like you got after him a little bit. Yeah, you know, just one execution. I want things done right. Sometimes after a day off, they're a little sleepy and... You know, it's uh, you just got to give them a little shot here sometimes, and uh, I'm not happy about the loss. You know, it's the bottom line. You know, I'm not very happy about our third period and how we lost that game. It's it, it looked like you were you were pretty vocal during the, like the power play segment, and it's been good for you all year. But what do you, what do you want kind of more out of it? You're all, you're well, always tweaking stuff. Yeah. So well, I think that um, you know going off the last game, maybe a little bit before too. You know, we're just forcing things too much of these seam passes and not just taking good shots, quality shots, and being simple. You know, it's just too too cute for me. This is starting with this game tomorrow. I mean, it's you've you've talked since the start of the year about this closing stretch, and it it is here. Twenty nine games in fifty six days. Uh, uh, you think your guys are as prepared as they can be for this? Well, they are, but we got to stay prepared. So it, it demands a lot of discipline on each individual to take care of himself off the ice, to do the right things, you know, on the ice and um, make sure we're playing as a team. Nothing matters but playing as a team and uh, the success of the team. You know, we can't be looking inside. you got to look outside and you got to look at your teammates, and that's what matters. And your play, obviously, individually, you got, we need everybody to play up to their – uh, individual talent and do the job, but um, it takes a lot of discipline when you have this many games. You got to take care of yourself. You know, make sure you're, uh, you know, getting the right proper food and, and sleep and all that. And then, you know, when we get an opportunity to work a little bit on the ice, we got to take advantage of it and make sure we're sharp. And those, like you were mentioning the other day, those are going to be few and far between. Yeah, there won't be a lot of them, you know, and there'll be a lot of morning skates, I imagine. And um, you know, we're going to have to incorporate. A drill here and there in morning skates to make sure we're staying sharp with things. It was kind of a man's game the other night. You know, Rangers are back checking, hitting hard. What do you see from the young guys who have had a lot of success skill-wise this year as they move forward and kind of feel that? Well, you know, Jordan got hit pretty hard there, but I thought he rebounded and he got back in the play and, you know, he played. I mean, and I don't see it an issue. I think as the year has gone along, they're involved more and they're doing, they're doing a lot more, you know, 
when they're getting checked, I guess is a way to put it. Like, you know, you can use your skill all you want in open ice and open areas. Anybody, you know, a lot of guys can do that. But, you know, skilled guys that compete in the battles and uh, fight through checking and fight through getting hit and, you know, fight through adversity and on, in this time of year and going to the playoffs, they become special players. You guys have made a nice push here <clears throat> recently, but... Uh... Boy, it's still bunched up in the in the central, and so uh, and a lot of games left. A lot can yeah. still happen, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't, you know, Dallas wins. You know, they're right there. I mean, it's going to be tight all the way through. That's my opinion. So yeah. you got to keep winning, and you got to keep getting points. But if if we told you back in uh, September that this is where you'd be to start March, you'd you'd be okay with it, right? Yeah, I think we played some real good hockey. I think we've been pretty consistent throughout the season. Um, went through a little stretch after, uh, I think we won five in a row, and then we dropped a few. Um, it was kind of a little bit of a slump there. But, you know, for the most part, I think we rebounded well when we needed to. We've, you know, kept finding ways to win games. Um, it's been, I think it's been pretty consistent most of the year. Hey, God, that's Craig Bruby from earlier today. Following the morning skate, your little JR, little uh, Jim Thomas, some of the fellas asking questions. And that's the, with the part I want to expand on here, uh, maybe just for a couple of seconds in this segment, but in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit more about that big picture. You're 53 games into the season, so you got 29 games left. And you know, a, as Jim Thomas mentioned there, it's jammed up in the Central and in the West in general. You know, the, the Blues are at 70 points, which is great. You're in second place. Nobody's catching Colorado. Uh, the, I mean, we, I know we've mentioned this, but yeah, they're... They've run away in the West. They have 84 points compared to the Blues, 70, and the Flames, 71. So those are the next two closest. So nobody's catching Colorado. They're the number one overall seed. They're the number one team in the Central. Nothing's going to change about that. Uh, but you, when you look at the rest of it, it's it's really close. I mean, between the Blues, Wild, Predators, and Stars, it's a seven-point gap for four teams. And it's only a three-point gap between the Blues and the Wild. And it's it's six points between the Blues and the Predators. But again, you got four teams within seven there. Now the Blues are in a great spot. They'd really have to go into the crapper, to, I think, to to fall out of one of those playoff spots. But then you you know when you look at the at the Pacific Division, not only do you have the Flames there at seventy one points, but then you got the Kings sixty five, the Oilers sixty four, Vegas sixty four. You know e- even the Ducks and Canucks could be in that mix. You know the the wild card spots are going to be contested, and again, it, but but it's pretty clear that the Blues don't have to do an extraordinary amount of heavy lifting to make it to the playoffs. And you know they're probably again the way it's lining up with um, you know a little bit of a tough stretch coming your way, and all that. We'll, we'll we'll dig into that coming up next. I haven't really gotten a chance to dive deep into, you know, what what things are how things are setting up for the playoff run right now. What do you need to be worried about? Um, you know, is there anybody that's not currently playing great hockey that you need to be paying attention to? But it would take a pretty epic collapse at this point for the Blues to miss a playoff spot. And there's a really good chance that you're going to end up with one of the top two or three records in in the entire Western Conference at the end of the regular season. We'll dig into that stuff a little bit next up here on KMOX. There's a high fly ball. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And it's a gunner. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. Meyer 
Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. And the Billikens win this one. Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, a little bit more on the uh, the picture in the Western Conference in the uh, NHL as it, as it relates to the Blues, of course. Uh, the Blues, have, again, played really well here lately. Uh, they, they've uh, picked up points in seven of their last ten games. They've won six of their last eight. Um, and one of the again the one of the two losses there is an overtime loss to Montreal. So, it, you know again you and you heard Craig Berube refer to it. They they've played pretty well all year. And if you had said back in September, hey, uh, early March, you're going to have the third best record in the Western Conference and you'd be in second place in your division, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye at that. I know I wouldn't have. They've been basically what I expected. I thought they would be one of the better teams in the West, but. Probably not the best. It, you know, it was, it was lined up even before the year. Colorado was set up to be the top dog. But when you, you know, the and then record-wise, the Blues are not going to catch Colorado. Right? I think we can be clear on that. You know, the Colorado's got a 14-point lead on the Blues. Doesn't take a whole lot of math to realize that in 29 games, you're not making up 14 points. But when you look at like goal differential and goals scored and goals allowed all that. If you look at their at some of those things, there isn't a huge gap. You know, the the goal differential for the Avalanche is 64, they're plus 64, the Blues are plus 45. So yeah, it's a difference, but again, when you when you play that out over the number of games that have been played, they they both roughly fall into the plus 1 per game category. Blues are a little bit less than plus one. Obviously, the abs would be a little bit more than plus one per game. But it's not a huge gap. And by the way, same thing for Calgary over in the Pacific. You know, I mean, they've got 50, they're plus 56 on the goal differential, and their big asset is they don't allow anything. Calgary's only allowed 130 goals so far this year. Uh, easily the best total in the Western Conference. I, I think the next lowest might be the Blues, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the Blues have the second lowest goals allowed total in the Western Conference. And the only teams that have scored more goals than the Blues are the Avalanche and the Wild. Again, speaking of the West, I'm not looking at the East because really from the playoff perspective, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter until the Stanley Cup Finals. So while the record difference between the Blues and Avalanche is massive, I mean, it's just it's just massive. The kind of the game by game, if you will, hasn't been that big of a difference. Now, look, I, I realize plus minus is is deceiving. I mean, record is what really matters when when they're looking at the quality of a team. Plus minus can be win by five, lose by four, you know, in another game. But I, you know, that you can have wild swings or just massively, you know, big performance like a few blowout wins can mess that up. Well, I would say mess it up. That's not the right way to put it because uh, wins don't mess things up. <laughs> but they can mess up the numbers. You know, if you have a couple of extreme games, that can change those plus minus totals either for your benefit or for your detriment. And when you when you kind of figure, you know, the hope that you'll face Colorado, you know, in the in the con, you know, in the in the uh, second round, the fact that you got to get through them at some point is a big deal. And it's going to be, you know, when we look at, eventually we'll look at the head-to-head with with the Blues and the Avalanche. And 
it's going to be pretty much meaningless. You know, they the lat, you know, they they played earlier this year. Uh if I'm looking at it correctly, I mean they played back in October and one was a 5-3 win, one was a 4-3 loss, but those games were just I don't want to say meaningless, but pretty much meaningless when it comes to analyzing them now. You know, that opening night, Colorado was missing a bunch of dudes with COVID. I think they were missing some of them even in the 4-3 win for Colorado, the 4-3 loss for the Blues. And we all know the Blues had players in and out of the lineup throughout a huge portion of the season, too. So those two games are so long ago, I don't think they tell us a damn thing about head-to-head for the playoffs, and they don't play again until April 26th, and that might be a game. It's the second-to-last game of the regular season. That might be a game that just doesn't matter for either team. So if those two are going to meet in the playoffs, I don't know that the head-to-head is going to tell us anything. I will say this. And I'm, not, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not in this to, to blow smoke or, or anything like that, so I'm not going to here. I mean, the the Avalanche are the better team. And if those two teams face each other, I will expect Colorado to beat the Blues. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't see a scenario where the Blues could come out on top. I think they've done a, a, a really good job of getting through what they needed to get through. They've gotten so many key performances this year. You know, the breakthrough for Jordan Cairo, the return uh, to his prominent, his previous form from Vlad. Uh, Butch Navich has been a massive, I mean, uh, just another trade for Doug Armstrong. That's a, just a blatant steal. I mean, it's robbery, you know, Sammy blaze and you know, he's an all right player, but I mean, he's not a guy that's going to make an impact on the Rangers and that draft pick's not going to really be anything you're going to regret when you're looking at Butch Navich already with 19 goals and playing a huge role in your top six. You know, Barbashev with the big breakthrough. Uh, Saad having been a really productive player with 17 goals so far. You've had a lot of things go well, and even some other things that haven't gone as you'd like them to. You know, I mean, David Prawn hasn't played a lot of games this year. I mean, he's played 40, but he's missed a lot of games. I think there's more that you're going to get from him. I think you're going to get more offense from Ryan O'Reilly as the season goes along. Um, when you look at him right now, 35 points in 49 games. Yeah, I mean, that that's... That's pretty clearly below what you would expect from him in terms of production. But again, and and again, that's that 49 games is a lot. I mean, they've only had 53 as a team. So he he's played most of their games and that's a pace that is pretty well below what he's been since he's become a member of the Blues. You know, I mean, he he's not he's not putting up points at the same rate that he has in the past. And I don't really see a good reason for it. You know, the shooting percentage is down a little bit, but it's not that different than it was a couple seasons ago. So I'm not I'm not entirely sure that there's like a really simple explanation other than that he's just not at the same pace that he has been since he joined the Blues. But I don't, you know, I mean, we still have two months left. There's a lot of time for a player of this caliber, for a player that, you know, has the well-rounded game and has the obvious track record of being a top player. It's a lot of time for him to get back on his game. And also, you know, look, I mean, in fairness, a lot of time for other players to slump and, and kind of fall off of where they've been. Other thing that I, I haven't pointed out yet, and this will be my last thought on the Blues, 
One of the other thing that's been things that's been happening here lately is the emergence of of Colton Pareko. And I, I don't know if it's a matter of you know being healthy and and just being able to string together several months of reps where he's playing game in and game out. Um I, I don't know exactly why he's been getting better as he goes, but he's getting better as he goes. And that's one of the things that they need. You know, they they need better from the de- from the from the defensive core. And look, they, they may still do something at the trade deadline to help out, give somebody, you know, get them another top four guy that can slot in for the stretch run in the postseason. But I think Pareko's been gradually getting better as the season's gone along. And some of that's natural, right? I mean, when you're a guy that's recovering from injury and um, you know, and trying to reestablish yourself, right? But November, December, January were just meh for to me anyway. From from Pareko, you didn't see a lot of um you see you see it from time to time, but you wouldn't you didn't see a lot of the that extra that he has, right? I mean, he's a big dude, he can really skate. Obviously he got the big shot, doesn't always use it very well, but you know, you you just didn't see a lot of, of plays that popped where you're like, oh yeah, that's what he can do. But in February, we saw a lot of that. In February, you saw a lot more just control of his own defensive zone. So his own, you know, in his own end, I should say. It's not all his. He's got teammates in there too. But you see, you're seeing more from him on that side. And he's not, you're not counting on him for offense, but you do need the big fella to be a big part of shutting down the other team's top guys. And as we've gone forward, we've started to get more of that. And if that's a trend that continues, then that deep run into the playoffs that I talked about earlier this year could end up being a reality. All right, hang tight. We're going to wrap up the weekend by telling you what to get ready for for the weekend. We've got Arch Madness, got Mizzou getting after it, the Billikens with a big game tomorrow to wrap up the regular season. So a little bit of college basketball and a look at what's coming up this weekend next up on KMOX. All right, getting ready to wrap it up. We've got a fun weekend, and this is we're getting into that fun. You know, I, I follow college basketball throughout the year, but I, I'm not going to lie to you, and I, I do not serve up BS on the show. Um, it it takes until about now for me to really get excited about the games, and it's I'm not really sure why. I, I think part of the problem for me is that I'm I'm deep into football and hockey for most of the winter months. And it's just really hard to spend a lot of time on college basketball during the regular season with those other things as a part of the process. But as we get to this point, we get to the conference tournaments. You got the Valley uh, with Arch Madness going on right now. Uh, We've got uh, three games. Well, two in the books right now. One's about to end. Missouri State uh, is about to beat Valpo. They're up 67-58, less than a minute left. So, you know, you got a Missouri State win today. Loyola beat Bradley today. Northern Northern Iowa beat Illinois State. And then later on, we've got uh, Drake and Southern Illinois. It's always a fun event. The games are competitive. There's always a lot of juice. And the conference tournaments, to me, are the symbol of, of things turning. 
Not necessarily that they're not entertaining, because they are. I've had fun watching a lot of Billikens games this year, for example. Um, and I think they've had a pretty solid year. It's not been perfect. You know, it's and I feel bad too, because I think I jinxed them. Well, if I believed in jinxes, I would think that I jinxed them. Because right after we talked to Bob Ramsey a couple of weeks ago, things got a little rough for the Bills. And I, and I again, I would feel bad about it if it actually thought it made a difference. But yeah, they they struggled a little bit here in the last couple of weeks, and they'll try to finish up the regular season with a win tomorrow night against VCU. Um, the Mizzou is another. Oh man, Mizzou is a whole other story. Uh, they're hosting Georgia tomorrow. Well, you talk about a clunker. Mizzou's ten and twenty on the year, four and thirteen in the SEC. Georgia is six and twenty-four, one and sixteen in the SEC. Whoo-wee. So, not exactly, uh, not exactly a heavyweight bout uh, for those two teams tomorrow afternoon in Columbia. But then I, I think the offseason is is an interesting one for Mizzou. You know, it, I don't know that there's a really good solution to their current problem. I mean, look, Conzo Martin has been there long enough where we should be seeing more. Doesn't mean you got to be great every year, but like if you're a good program, you don't have this kind of year. I mean, you know, you're 10 and 20 right now. Let's keep in mind that uh, on January 18th you were 8 and 9 after beating Ole Miss you were 8 and 9 so again i'm really 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 bad at math but i think that means you're 2 and 11 since then and you just it, you can't be that bad for that long this deep into your tenure without people asking questions about the job. And I don't know, I don't even know what to make of this. I mean, look, money shouldn't be an issue when it comes to evaluating Conzo Martin. I mean, you you have SEC money, you have the ability to change coaches. And I I'm not here by the way pounding on the table like Conzo's got to go. I I really want it to succeed for him. I thought it was a good hire at the time. I like Conzo Martin. I mean, he's, you know, whenever he, I've had a chance to talk to him, he's always really straightforward, gives you good answers, seems like a nice guy. But that kind of collapse where you're basically a 500 team, right? They had a win over Alabama on January 8th. Alabama at the time was the 15th ranked team in the country. You had a six point win over them. You were 500 there at that point. And now you're 10 games under 500. That kind of collapse is hard to explain away this deep into your tenure. So if I were in charge, I would probably be making a change. And I obviously I'm not, and I'm sure you're, you, you guys should all be very happy that I'm not because I wouldn't be that good at it. But if I were, I would be making a change this year. And then we got the Illinois side of this. And Illinois, to me, has been an interesting team. Look, the Big Ten's loaded. You know, the fact that they're 21 and 8 and they're 14 and 5 in conference play in a really brutal conference. And they'll wrap up their regular season, by the way, against Iowa this weekend. So that'll be a good matchup. I'm curious about them from a tournament perspective. I mean, you look at the last handful of games. I mean, they had the big win against Michigan State a few games ago. 
I think they have the pieces to be able to get hot and make a run. But the question that I would have is what's happening with the guys that can fill it up from distance? You know, if Plummer and Frazier and Grandison and those guys are, are like hot and making shots, you've got a tough combo there. Cause I don't think there are very many big men across college basketball landscape that are as good as Kofi Coburn that can do as much damage as he can on the interior uh, on either side of the floor, you know, controlling the glass, blocking shots, scoring points. And I, I think that's a really great inside out combo. If those guys are are shooting well, and again, on the year they, they pretty much have shot well from three point land, by the way, those three guys I listed too are really strong from the free throw line as well. So I, I think Illinois is a team that has the potential for an elite eight run. I'd say they're probably more of a sweet 16-ish type team, depending on matchups. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. we got the regular season in college basketball wrapping up this weekend. Conference tournaments already started. The big one's coming up next week. We'll look forward to those. Obviously, more blues talk and more baseball if those fools can get things figured out. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.